Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. This is where we fire missiles of truth into the wall of lies. This is where we are. We, we're not right versus left. We are right versus wrong. This is where Catholicism and culture intersect. Terry and me talk about the church, politics, and the culture from a Catholic perspective. And I'm reporting for duty. Terry, what about you? Yes, I'm reporting for duty, sir. And Jess, this is going to be a great interview coming up with Paul Fengpen. Uh, doctor, I should say. He's, got, he's a great man. He's written a, a new book called Extra, uh, Extraterrestrial Intelligence and the Catholic Faith. He says, are we alone in the universe with God and the angels? Got some great questions to ask him about his new book. We're also going to be having our friends from Church Militant talk a little bit about what's happening in the news and the Catholic world. So much, much uh, good things. And, you know, Jesse, I, I always like to, before we get to the gospel, just ne- mention our theme, what we are always all about. Just me- nailed it. But we always like to quote Ezekiel 3.18. It says, If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade the wicked from their evil conduct in order to save their lives, then they shall die for their sin. But I will hold you responsible for their blood. Jess, that quote, just really from the scriptures, really makes me realize we are obligated to speak the truth in charity. And I'll just make it very simple. Tell me. If you as a Catholic that knows the truth Mm -hmm. and lives the truth, see a fellow Catholic that lives in mortal sin and that believes in falsehoods, and you don't correct him because you don't want to lose your friendship. You want to be politically correct. You know, you don't want to be bothered. If you don't correct him and you have the opportunity to do so, at your particular judgment, his sins will be reckoned on your account. Mm-hmm. You will be guilty of those sins. Why? Because you knew that your friend, your brother, your sister had these sins you kept your mouth shut because of political expediency, you will pay a price at your judgment for keeping your mouth shut. That's what Ezekiel says. Amen. And just right before the gospel, I just want to mention some more. I call it good news. Uh, An Australian rugby player's boycott game after team unveils the LGBT pride jersey. So what they did is they told their players, they didn't tell them, seven of the players in this rugby team told the coach that they would not participate in a recent game since the team's New Jersey uh, incorporated the LGBT flag. See, Jesse, these this is where people are standing up, and they're even putting their sports careers on the line to say, I'm not going to promote this. So I want to commend them as, as courageous young men. Yeah, Terry, this this country split right in half. There's this, We call this a culture war, and, and you know, the, the split is basically – those that promote the culture of life and those that promote the culture of death. I can't make it, I can't simplify it any more than that. This is where we're at right now. Yeah, one more good news story. And then, if Jess, you have a couple. Yeah, the, the, I have a, f- a few too. Yeah, the Vatican canon lawyer criticizes German bishops' plan to allow employees to flout their Catholic teaching. Now, Cardinal Mueller also did this. It's just, it's nice to hear prelates and people in high positions saying, no, 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 I can't be silent. They're implementing Ezekiel right there, Jess. God bless them, because, uh, again, every, everything that we do, even these acts of cowardness and sins of omission, yes. they will be pr- played in full living color at our particular judgment. Yeah. And uh, yep. woe to those people that have positions of authority and are not 
and are not Terry uh, giving what what the spiritual works of mercy call us uh, counsel the ignorant, advise yep. the ignorant. Well said. Just a couple of things yeah. I want to mention. <clears throat> Senator Marco Rubio from Florida, he's introduced a bill <laughs> that would allow child support payments to begin at the time of conception. Yes. Instead of after a child's birth. So uh, Marco Rubio said he's a Republican from Florida. He says we do we do we should do everything we can to support American mothers and their children. This bill would allow expecting mothers to prepare and support their babies before they are born. Good job, Marco. God bless him. Also, <clears throat> did you know that Biden has COVID nineteen? Yep. Yes. President Biden has tested positive for COVID nineteen. The White House announced Thursday morning the seventy nine year old commander in chief is fully vaccinated. He's been boosted twice. And he's experiencing symptoms of COVID uh, that was put out by the press secretary for the White House. Also, Georgia Medicaid is, is going to pay for transgender surgery. Are you kidding me? Give me a break. A lawsuit filed by the left-wing American Civil Liberties Union on behalf of two men who, who say they are women has reached a settlement that will force Georgia's Medicaid program to pay for sex change surgeries and other transgender treatments. The complaint stated that Georgia incorrectly characterized the health care needs of both women as cosmetic and experimental. <laughs> the Hill reported the ACLU says that the settlement means any Georgia resident will be able to use Medicaid to pay for transgender surgery in the future. Talk about what a waste of our taxpayer money. Last point I want to make. Pro-life attorney generals are confronting Google. This is good news. Yeah. Republican attorney general on Thursdays threaten legal action against Google if the big tech company censors pro-life pregnancy centers on its search engine. The Republican attorney generals around the country are saying to big tech, suppressing pro-life and pro-mother voices at the urging of government officials would violate the most fundamental tenet of the American marketplace of ideas. And this is being ramrodded by uh, Virginia Attorney General Jason Miares and 16 other attorney generals that are Republicans in a letter to CEO, uh, Google CEO Sundar Pichai. Terry? Well, now, Jess, let's get some good news in with the gospel. And Wow. that You know, Jesse, I like when you give us these things and because we need to build people up. When we see people standing up for the faith, and, and wait till you hear the Fulton Sheen quote with Cardinal Seurat. Talk about a cardinal standing up against the woke culture of our time. We need more guys doing that, Jess. But let's get some soul food in our soul. Very short gospel today. Gospel of St. Matthew, yep. chapter 13, verse 44 and following. Short gospel, but it says a lot, actually. Yeah. Quote, Jesus said to, the, to his disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field, which a person finds and hides again. And not of joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So who is this priceless treasure? St. Augustine basically <laughs> told us, alluded. He said, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. The priceless treasure that we're looking for, the pearl of great price, is Jesus Christ himself. It's discovering his overwhelming love, his mercy for us. And it's also discovering his church. It's a package deal. You can't separate them. One doesn't come without the other. This is When you discover Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, this is truly the priceless treasure that every single man is searching for, even though they don't realize it. 
because it's only on Christ and the church where we can where we can have hope and faith and charity, where we can build a future and where we can pursue a life of holiness. Now, this great treasure, just don't get me wrong, it's going to take an entire lifetime to unpack yeah. what's in this great treasure chest. And, and what are we unpacking? That's our interior life. That's our spiritual life. Mm. We need to cooperate with that treasure chest, which is Jesus Christ and the grace he wants to give us. We have to cooperate and cultivate our interior life so that we can build the virtues of faith, hope, and charity and one day end up in heaven, Terry. Well said. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room, Fulton Sheen. Full Sheen ahead. Cardinal Siraz with Bishop Sheen. He's saying, man, we got some issues down here on planet Earth. And this is in a presentation that the Cardinal said. And again, this is nice to hear cardinals and bishops speak so bro- so so strongly. Here's what he said. The dream of the Western globalized elite is precisely to establish a new world religion. That sounds like Bishop Sheen. Mm. He says, for this little group, this was last week he said this, for this little group, the ancient religions, and in particular the Catholic Church, must be transformed or die. Jesse, he, he's calling out the woke culture. He's calling mm. out this, this, this group of people who are trying to uh, infiltrate the church and change the church's teachings. And I believe that Cardinal Seurat is a very bold man and courageous to speak at a conference and say just what he said. Terry, well, by the way, the, car- the Cardinal, he was also canceled uh, <laughs> very, very shortly after Pope Francis. That's took true. He was in the, charge yeah. of the liturgy, man. Yeah. And he was, uh, yeah, no, no, it wasn't. He was in charge of the congregation for the doctrine of the faith. The liturgy was Cardinal Seurat. That's who I'm quote, quoting, Cardinal Seurat. Oh, shoot. I thought you were quoting Cardinal... Uh, yeah. No, it's Cardinal Seurat. Uh, okay. God just, love him, man. But Jesse, yeah. the point I'm making is more of these leaders in our church, Cardinal uh, Mueller and others are coming out well, that's and who I was speaking thinking about out. Mueller, that, that's yeah. what I thought maybe you're yeah. thinking of. Yeah. <clears throat> but all these guys, <clears throat> we need more of that to inspire us, lay people, to say, wow, look, <clears throat> they can do it. They're, giving, they're imitating Jesus. Because Jesus Christ did the exact same thing in his time. Terry, I think I think it works both ways. I think the, the, these clergy, these bold clergy, inspire yeah. us. But I think lay Local's people, yeah, I think lay people inspire them to speak out as well. So oh. I think I think there's a synergistic uh, relationship between a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. When they hear us speak in our podcasts and radios, they're oh, saying, yeah. "Wow, we need to do the same thing." When we hear them speak, it just it just emboldens us as well. I've had several bishops tell me that what you just said, and I know Jesse. In one particular time, you were speaking on Humanae Vitae, and the bishop was in the back room and came up to you and said, oh, man, you got guts to say what you just said, young man. And this is when you were younger, okay? You weren't. <laughs> the point I'm making is— I wasn't an old man yet. No, we inspire each other. That's what you're saying, Jess. Right? Iron Be- sharpens iron, and right. one man sharpens another. Before we expire, you're listening you to The Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful. We come back, Paul Fengpen will be interviewed regarding his new book on extraterrestrial intelligence and the Catholic faith. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. 
The Terry and Jesse Show. Hey, we'd like to welcome Dr. Paul Fig, been a convert to the Catholic faith, <laughs> best-selling author. And boy, oh boy, did he, wrote, did he write a book which is timely right now because everybody's talking about extraterrestrials, our government, the Clintons, NASA. <laughs> Dr. Paul Thigman, welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Hey, Dr. Paul, by the way, I want to compliment you on your other book. I oh, have yeah. it right here, right in front of me. Yeah. Uh, your book is called Manual of Spiritual Warfare. Classic. Yeah. Well, very basic. You oh, know, it's yeah. not, it's, 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 you know, anybody can understand it. It's, you wrote it for the common Joe, but it's very, very it is. well documented with scripture with the saints. I just want to tip my hat off to you for that book. I think you've, uh, you've uh, provided a great service to Holy Mother Church. That's so, very kind of you. Thank you. Thank you. So, so your the title of the book is called Extraterrestrial Intelligence. I'm thinking about the movie E.T. and the Catholic <laughs> faith. Are we alone in the universe with God and the angels? Boy, oh boy, talk about jumping into controversy. God bless you for doing this. This is a rather unusual topic for a Catholic author. You know, you're a theologian, uh, and you've written many books about theology, scripture, church history, the saints, Catholic apologetics. You even wrote a book on spiritual warfare. But what led you to write a book about extraterrestrial intelligence? Well, that's a great question. First of all, you have to say that in some ways, this topic actually does talk, touch on all those other topics. It touches on theology, on Catholic apologetics, on uh, church history, um, even spiritual warfare. So it's uh, it may seem kind of out of the you know, out of the blue for me, but but uh, so many things I've written about in the past kind of led up to this. But more importantly, since the time I was a young young person, I've been interested in ufos now i have to say the book is not about ufos i have an appendix at the end of what i think about that but it's a a, a different issue and, and the issue is basically is could the exist if, if extraterrestrial intelligence does exist intelligent life on other planets is that compatible with our catholic faith this is the question that's been uh, debated for a long time so when i became uh, a christian first of all i was an atheist as a teenager when i became a christian at the age of 18 um, because I'd always been interested in the, the possibility of extraterrestrial intelligence, I uh, began to think about it and say, okay, in light of what I know now about God and creation and Jesus Christ, what, how does my, my face shine light on that? Then some years later, 28 years ago, I became Catholic and in the fullness of the Catholic faith and still, you know, still dealing with those questions. Although now I could say, all right, in addition to scripture, I've got magisterial teaching. I've got the, the writings of saints and doctors and fathers of the church, all these other things that can help me to put all this in its place to understand what the church teaches or, or has refrained from teaching about it. And uh, as you mentioned, it's been a hot topic lately and has been actually for the last couple of years, it's been growing more because of some of the things that were uh, the New York Times published about some uh, information from naval aviators confirmed by all kinds of uh, sensors that these uh, things flying around, we could not identify them, were, were had all kinds of um, way out characteristics beyond physics as we know it. So all that's to say that a couple of years ago then I thought, okay, it's time finally to write about this. I've wanted to all my life, uh, especially if there's any chance that within the next few years, we could actually have clear evidence of ETI, extraterrestrial intelligence. Then Catholics and other Christians need to have a book like this in their hands where they can, can uh, understand how it would fit in their faith and especially so they could um, respond to the challenge, which has been going on for several hundred years, most people don't realize, 
of non-Christians who say, if this is true, then your faith is false. And that's not at all the case. Dr. Paul, Terry Barber here. Question, in your book, I know you answer this, but just to give a little teaser, I want everyone to get your book from Tan Books, but how do Scripture and the Catholic uh, Catholic teaching shed light on this topic? Well, how can we, you know, how, how does that work with Scripture and church teaching? I think we start with the um, you know, basic fundamentals of our faith, that mm-hmm. God is all-powerful, yeah. God is all-knowing, and also that God, God's all-creative, mm-hmm. uh, so that we know that if such things exist, they are His creation. He loves them because he loves all of his creation mm-hmm. and uh, and he is their Lord. So that's kind of a foundation for everything. And again, I'm not saying this is, this is all true or it happens, but simply that our, our faith would allow for it. it would not con- contradict our faith if we learned it. The other questions then become, all right, if such things exist, are there are there scriptures that point one way or another about what, what the nature would be? Certainly are there scriptures that rule it out. Yeah. Uh, one of the most common objections through the centuries has been, well, it's not in the Bible so it can't be true. <laughs> and, um, you know, my response to that is simply, well, microbes aren't in the Bible. Yeah, and yeah. Platypuses aren't in the Bible. <laughs> and dinosaurs aren't in the Bible. Even planets aren't described in the Bible. But we all know they're true. And, and because the Bible is not intended to be an exhaustive compendium of all human knowledge, um, but rather what, what pertains to our salvation. Amen. So we're, um, I think we just have to realize that there, there are certain scriptures that seem to point in one direction or another, uh, but they're really open interpretation that the church has never definitively uh, interpreted those passages one way or the other. Uh, in fact, uh, as I mentioned in the book, right before Vatican II, the, the bishops of the world were sent out a, a survey by the Vatican saying, what questions would you like us to address in Vatican II? And I believe it's the Archbishop of Washington, D.C., who, uh, among his answers, said, i I would like the church to make some kind of statement about extraterrestrial intelligence. Interesting. And the, and the Vatican did not. <laughs> of course, it was on the minds of a lot of people then. Uh, so what does that tell us? Well, either that they thought, okay, we have more pressing issues here on earth. I understand that. Yeah. Or it may be that they, the, the council fathers thought, you know, the church doesn't have anything to say definitive about that. It, it never has. We've never had a definition that way. Uh, this is the kind of thing that we probably need to wait and see what science tells us. Got it. Dr. Thigpen, so, why has extraterrestrial intelligence been be, been viewed for such a long time kind of as a fringe topic outside the mainstream? And do you think that the common perception is changing now? People are talking about it. People are more comfortable with it. And if, the, if, the, if things are changing more favorable, if so, why? That's a great question. And I, um, the answer might surprise some folks, but... Uh, first of all, we have what seems to be evidence from documents and even paintings and things that some things like this have been showing up for a long time in, in human history. But more importantly, uh, more recently, uh, beginning in the 1940s during World War II, um, you began to have a number of sightings of what came to be called Foo Fighters. And um, they were these kind of glowing craft that were flying alongside our pilot on the Allied side but also on the pilots on the Axis side, so both sides of the war. And the pilots on each side thought it was some secret technology of the other side. Um, that began to get the attention of, of the U.S. government, the Pentagon in particular. Could it be a threat? What is this? Um, and then after the war, beginning in uh, 1947 with the, the infamous Roswell incident, but, but also after that, you began having all kinds of reports. You began having, you have one flap, as they call it, a UFO flap, where 
bunch of things showed up over in Los Angeles actually that uh, had people terrified in the skies and jet planes you know were sent after them. Similar thing happened in Washington DC over the, the, the White House and other things. And it, it was, have to remember it was during the Cold War and people were uh, beginning to get really curious about this and asking about it. Well, we now know through uh, information we've gained from the Freedom of Information Act documents that have been released that uh, kind of the powers that be, especially in the Pentagon, made the decision that given the Cold War tensions and stuff, this is something that we're going to pursue, but we're not going to let, um, let the public know that. Now, this is not conspiracy theory. This is all very well documented. And um, even a report as late as 1960 by the Brookings Institute to NASA, it was requested by NASA, said that if we should have information showing you know, such things that we may not want to give it to the public because it might upset people of religion and other things. So uh, given all that, uh, we also have documents released from that, uh, the Freedom of Information Act that, um, that showed that there was an intentional campaign on the part of the Pentagon and the government behind, you know, secretly to dismiss and to, to ridicule uh, the whole topic so that people would back off of it because they thought national security would get complicated. The first part of my book, though, uh, gives the history of the discussion of this topic. And one of the points I'm making with that, not only because it helps us to understand things now, but um, is that that's an anomaly historically that for 25 centuries, all the way back to the ancient Greek philosophers, but also from the early centuries of the church, um, some of the best minds of Western civilization have taken this subject very seriously. And all the way up through the, you know, the end of the, the uh, 1800s and the early 19, 1900s, so that the reason we have this kind of, have had this mockery, mockery and dismissal um, actually is a result of, of our government's actions. Um, it wasn't always that way. It's never been that way before. And now we're, we're back, coming back to a more normal uh, look where, where people of you know, intelligence can, can talk about this thing without being given tinfoil hats. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and I think it's happened in part because of some of the things that have come out since 2017 and uh, some others uh, through the New York Times, through respectable sources saying, nope, U.S. government actually has been studying this secretly for a long time. And they've actually come out admitted, we don't know what a lot of these things are. And they're having congressional hearings. They've had some that are about to have some more that I think will be much more important. Yeah. Dr. Thigpen, so this book, it, is it a book about UFOs? And, and if it's not, then what's the focus of your book? And do you address the subject of UFOs? Yeah, as, you know, as I mentioned before, the uh, UFOs is kind of where a lot of people get into the subject because they'll read it. It's, it's an exciting kind of thing, you know, intriguing. Um, the book is not about UFOs in the sense that if any given UFO were proven to be some kind of you know, natural phenomena or, or human intelligence uh, driven, um, it wouldn't affect the argument of the book, the point of the book. The, the point of the book is much broader, and it's, it's, as I said, it's, it's to show that uh, the existence of extraterrestrial intelligence is, is compatible with the Catholic faith. If we were to discover it, we'd have lots of questions to ask, but it's certainly not contrary to our faith. And, um, and if that happened, the Catholic Church could, uh, could accommodate that new information the same way we accommodated finding out there was a whole new world on the other side of the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, uh, the way we accommodated the Copernican Revolution, in which before we had kind of relied on Aristotelian science, that we're the center of the universe, and then all of a sudden we discover we're not. I didn't overthrow the church's faith, and we accommodated that new information. 
Yeah, so you, an- you so- answered my next question. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, th- this would not undermine if, – if we discovered extraterrestrial life out there, yeah. it would not undermine the Christian faith at all, right? That's right. I mean, there's some people who would, would claim that they, it would, um, and these are folks, the adversaries, is, uh, adversaries of the faith that the church has had for a long time. So you may remember the name Thomas Paine. Oh, yeah. He wrote the, the booklet Age of Reason during the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. He was British, but he was supporting the revolution, a very influential man in his day. And uh, in his writings, he, he took extensive time to try to make the claim that, first of all, he believed in extraterrestrial intelligence, as most of the intelligentsia of his day did uh, and have before. But, uh, but then he wanted to claim, and this disproves your faith. This disproves the Catholic faith, the Christian faith in general. Then you have other folks who kind of, maybe from a new age perspective, that say, yeah, these folks exist and they're our space brothers, and they're going to teach us the true religion because yours is wrong. Hmm. I can jump in. we got to take a quick break. We're here with Dr. Paul Thangpeng talking about his new book from Tan Books. You want to go to tanbook.com, get any book by this man, and you'll love it. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, Here's Terry and Jesse. Terry and Jesse show. We're here with Dr. Paul Thigpen talking about his exciting book, Extraterrestrial Intelligence and the Catholic Faith. So, Dr. Thigpen, have any of the saints had anything to say about the existence of ETs, extraterrestrial intelligence? Yeah, this is so interesting. We First of all, I should say that some of the saints of ancient times in the Middle Ages have things to say to help us understand the issue. They didn't. Uh, again, largely the scientific worldview of, of the West was Platonic, from Plato and from Aristotle, the Greek pagan philosophers who thought the earth was the center of the universe and, and therefore there wasn't any kind of intelligent life out there. Although St. Thomas did allow for the possibility that the stars were actually alive, that they were animated, uh, in which case you could technically say that, you know, he thought that we could have ETI, ETI that way. But I think we just lost the doctor for a second. Let's see if yeah. we can get him back. Jess, you know, about, yeah. We, but, uh, more no, importantly, in my recent times, we have some. Are we back on with him? That sounds like it from here. All right. Yeah. Go ahead, Doctor yeah. Paul. Okay. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. I live. I live way out in the mountains, and sometimes my my connections are lost. No problem. Um, so that the the Padre Pio, San Pio Pietro Cina, mm-hmm. uh, once in an interview, this has been recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone asked him. Uh, what do you think? Well, let me just read it for you. Yeah, that's a great quote. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay. So here's the question. I think I better get my eyes on. <laughs> Father Pio, some claim that they're creatures of God on other planets, too. He answers, what else? You think they don't exist and that God's omnipotence is limited to this small <laughs> planet Earth? What else? Do you think there are no other beings who love the Lord? Another question. Father, I think the Earth is nothing compared to other planets and stars. Answer, Padre Pio, exactly yes. And listen to this. And we earthlings are nothing too. The Lord certainly did not limit his glory to this small earth. On other planets, other beings exist who did not fall, sin, and fall as we did. Yeah, that's powerful. Well, now, now that doesn't mean that that's gospel truth. But what it does mean is this, that that you could be a fully faithful Catholic person and someone with a kind of knowledge, extraordinary knowledge that, Padre Pio had many times revealed by God, 
and uh, and affirm quite enthusiastically that, that they do exist. Um, it's it, with in Patrick Tio's case, you have others like St. John Paul II one time, a young girl in a public audience asking, well, Holy Father, what about the aliens? And he didn't say, well, we don't know if they exist, they don't exist, or if they exist, but he just said simply, they're God's children too, as okay. if he was affirming that they exist. <laughs> and you have, you have some others. So those are two of the, the really striking ones. But with Padre Pio especially, what strikes me is that we know from the rest of his life, you know, he lived in modern times, and my life overlapped with his few years, um, and so many testimonies and confirmations, verifications that he did have extraordinary gifts, uh, often involving hidden knowledge or knowledge hidden to the rest of us, that God would reveal things like conversations going on or things going on in remote places around the world, or uh, he could read souls, came to him in confession. So you have to ask with him when he was so adamant about it, is this just Padre Pio's opinion? Um, they are a conclusion he's come to, or is this actually something that God revealed to him? Uh, he doesn't say, and we don't have to believe either, either way, and we don't have to believe just because he said it, it's infallible. But I think it is interesting that um, someone like that could could make this statement and not see that as in any way contrary to Catholic faith. Dr. Paul, I'm getting questions right now on my screen. They're asking about, is it possible that these uh, ETIs are simply a form of demonic deception? Great question. I do you know, address that in the book. I would, you know, this is what I see, yeah. that uh, certainly there's some types of, we have some accounts from people who, claim that they have uh, had alien abductions. They've been abducted by aliens, taken against their will somewhere, uh, usually physically um, assaulted, perhaps even sexually assaulted, sometimes being told all these things that, you know, this is the, the truth and it's contrary to our faith. Those resemble so closely many uh, traditional accounts of demonic encounters that I think most, almost certainly those probably are, those particular ones. And even secular observers have noticed that, the parallels between these accounts and, and demonic encounters of the past. Um, but I don't think we can paint with a broad brush the whole phenomenon that way. There's so, that's a small number of the sightings, you know, that people have had that show any kind of hostility or, or anything like that. Well, oh, I should also note that there have been some Christians who claim that they had these encounters, and then when they said in the name of Jesus, leave me alone, or something that went away. And in mm -hmm. that case, that seems pretty obvious. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, how do you account for what seem to be nuts and bolts crafts, so to speak, physical crafts that are being seen uh, in the skies and stuff that demons don't need those to get around? Uh, there could be apparitions, I guess, they could make to try to fool us. Um, not sure what the point of that would be. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, there's growing evidence that the government does actually have, or maybe has put into the hands of the private aerospace industry, um, retrieve materials from crashed UFOs. And if that's true, something that's solid and you can hold in your hands and has been held onto and studied for a generation, um, I'd say that's, that's pretty certain. That's not demonic. That's something else. Thanks. Here's an interesting question. Uh, uh, I think this is a lot of people. It's on their minds. So you, you explore in the book the potential relationship of alien species to Jesus Christ. What do you think are some of the possibilities in that regard? Yes, it is. That's a you know, big part of the book toward the end and, and something that's been discussed for a long time. But I like to say we have kind of two issues here. First is what I would call, what is the spiritual and moral status? What might be the spiritual and moral status of ETI different races? Um, by that, I mean, uh, spiritual status, what is their relationship to God? Uh, how 
uh, what were they created for? What was their intended destiny? We know that for humans, we're made in the image of God. And uh, part of that image is immortality. It's, it's having a free will, having a rational intellect, but also immortal spirits. We will live forever because his intention for us is to live forever. The destiny he wants for us is to live with him forever and joy and the beatific vision. Uh, so the question is, if there were ETI, first of all, uh, what would be their relationship to God? Would they be made? They may look different from us, but might they still be made in the image of God and that they would have intelligent minds? We're already assuming that uh, some kind of free will and then immortality, immortal spirit. And I would say that, you know, the range of possibilities suggests that they could be like that. Uh, they could also be uh, have intelligence and have some kind of free will, but not actually be made to live uh, forever with God in heaven, that God might make a, a species that he enjoys uh, having a, a natural life in this universe. And when they're, when they're gone, that's the end of it. We might, could even argue that that might be the way it was for Neanderthals on earth. It's another question. But um, so that's, that's a couple of the possibilities. But then even if they are intended uh, to be them forever, then the question becomes about the moral status. Are they fallen like we are or not fallen? If you say they have to be fallen, as some theologians have tried to claim, uh, I think that, that doesn't work because that would be like saying, well, Adam and Eve had to fall um, if, if that's a necessary thing. So if they aren't fallen, if they are fallen, then the question becomes, how does, does God offer them redemption? Um, and if so, how does he offer them redemption? If they're not fallen, they're already you know, in relationship with him. So lots of interesting questions. That's where we get to the question then about their relationship to Jesus Christ. Um, is if they're fallen, would what he did, the son of God incarnate on earth, his life, passion, death and redemption, uh, resurrection, would that have a kind of um, exploding effect, you might say, a spillover effect into other races uh, beyond the earth? Or on the other hand, uh, because he was the second Adam who came to undo what the first Adam did, and these races would not be descended from Adam, uh, might God have a different plan for them? In case like that, St. Thomas Aquinas does help us to see some things. That, uh, so, for instance, he says that even though God chose to have uh, the incarnation on earth as his plan of redemption, he, he could have done it otherwise. Mm -hmm. So I think you know, we can take the implication from that he could do it otherwise for other species. Um, and you have to get in the book to get into the details. But there are all kinds of, if you look at ancient heresies and the way the church responded to those, you get into all kinds of interesting uh, questions about how that might work um the other possibility is could could he have been incarnate on another planet and um i think that probably you know would shake some people a little bit but you have to understand again based on the church's ancient teaching that it doesn't mean that he kind of grabbed a man on earth jesus uh, and they would grab a man or a being on another planet become incarnate and they would somehow be rivals or different you know saviors you have to understand the church teaches that when God became man on earth, he did not choose a man. He took on everything that is human in our nature to himself so it became his own. So if he were to do something similar on another planet, it would not be a different Lord or Savior. It would not be a different Son of God, Word of God. It would be the same Lord, Savior, second person, the Trinity, but taking to himself another nature. And St. Thomas Aquinas actually said with regard to you know, humanity that yeah, God could do that too. He could take on, he could take on a second nature. Now he didn't say he had. He said an Earth, uh, it's only one. But he could have because he's God. 
We only have another minute left, Jess. I just had a quick question. You know, we always talk about how Jesus Christ redeemed all of creation. How would that apply outside of planet Earth? Because I, I would assume you're going to say that, yes, Jesus redeemed all of creation. Is that a fair statement, Doc? I'm sorry, but your voice froze up. On my oh, I'm end. sorry. I was, you repeat the question? I, yeah, my question is regarding, we only have a little minute here, but about Jesus Christ redeeming all of creation, that, he's re, that he is the Redeemer. So no matter what, if we do have these extra ET people, it's Jesus Christ redeeming them also. Is that a fair statement? Yes, and, and again, we have to understand that Jesus Christ is the eternal second Amen. person of the Trinity. Amen. So even if he did it on another planet right. by taking on another, right. it'd still be the same Jesus Christ yep. who is Lord of all Thank and you. Savior of all. I wanted to hear that. <laughs> I had yep. another comment. Yeah. Yes? Yep. Uh, the last thing is a lot of people, again, uh, they believe that this is a dangerous topic for Catholics. They say, hey, avoid this topic altogether. I know. <laughs> it, it, could, it could lead you away from God. Nope. In, one, in one minute, how would you respond to that claim? I would say that uh, this topic has led me closer to God. <laughs> well I've, uh, it has pressed me to go more deeply into all kinds of theological issues, to think more deeply about the greatness of God, the, the creativity, the love, mm. you know, all those other things. I agree that you have to be careful. A lot of folks who don't have faith, uh, who have used this as a path into all kinds of weirdness, <laughs> to put it simply. Uh, but if you're if you're careful and, and I'll encourage you, read the book, you know, my book. Amen. Um, it'll help you kind of as a, as a good thing, because if things should come out in the next year or so that and we find out as a scientific reality that it's there, uh, Catholics need to be able to think about it. In light thank, of thank you so much, Paul. Thank Fan. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse show. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back to Terry and Jesse show, and we're here with our Wednesday oh, update yeah. from our good friends, Church Militant on the other side of the country. We've got an update on church, uh, church news, politics, and the culture wars by Joe Gallagher. Joe, welcome to the Terry and Jesse show, my friend. What do you have for us today? Terry and Jesse, thank you for having Our me on, pleasure. guys. I saw that you caught me just fixing my hair, so forgive me, but I had to make sure that we looked perfect for you guys. Well, hey, hey, Joe, I don't have that problem, brother. <laughs> <laughs> God, hey, we we love you having you. You won't either in 30 years. Yeah, brother, friend. it happens. It's the way it works. Yeah. Joe, what's going on with the news for tonight? We were excited. We always, every night, we're like, what's next, you know? Sure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there's always, I, you know, Church Milton really should be, we're in a, we're in a self-defeating uh, market. We don't want to have to report on all of these things. We'd much rather do, you know, priest saves cat from tree, record baptisms in every diocese right. in the country. We'd... But unfortunately not today. Uh, right now, first off is Senator Ted Cruz. Senator Cruz actually made comments saying that they need, Texas needs to repeal a decades old ban on sodomy um, that actually was uh, created as a moot point after, moot point after uh, Lawrence v. Texas in 2003. Mm -hmm. So Senator Cruz is saying we need to get away with this ban on sodomy law, that's very nervous, nerve-wracking. You know, Joe, I'm he, he's got a lot of guts, but I'm gonna I'm not being pessimistic here, but I'm gonna tell you why I don't think I think that the cat's out of that bag and you can't put the toothpaste back into the bottle. I'll tell you why, because the Democrats are a completely sodomy party, a hundred percent. Okay, the Republicans have been infiltrated by sodomites. Yep, they have a section of Republicans called. They're called the uh, log cabin Republicans. Mm -hmm. These are, yeah. So they've already infiltrated the Republican Party. So 
a lot of them are not with Ted Cruz on this. They don't have this moral purity. All, all they care about is money and the economy and, 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 and you know strong military. They don't care about morality. So I'm with Ted Cruz. But I, again, one party is a complete sodomite party. And the Republican Party has been infected with first stage cancer through the, the log cabin Republicans. I, I, I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, what's interesting with this is you know, at the end of the day, it's just a, it's it's a state's rights argument. It doesn't matter what the issue they're talking about is. Ted Cruz, who has argued as an attorney in front of the Supreme Court, one of the few elite attorneys throughout the country to have been given the opportunity to do that, is simply saying this needs to be a state's right issue because you know, they're all saying, oh, Ted Cruz says that that ban needs to be repealed and that you know it should be fine. But just last week, he was saying that the Supreme Court made a big dis- big mistake when uh, ruling on Hodges. So it's just Ted Cruz saying. This needs to become a state's rights issue again. And people just want to focus on the issue of whether it be abortion or gay marriage when Ted is looking at this from simply as a matter of fact with the Constitution versus state's autonomy. You know what? Uh, if, if he argues it that way, then we have a chance. Yeah. Take, mm-hmm. Going back to the state, because if you try to take it from the moral perspective, yeah, it's not gonna we're, we're going to get slaughtered. Oh, yeah. If you try to take it from, like you said, Joe, this is a state's rights issue. Let every state, state decide uh, based on their constituents, then we have a chance uh, at least to uh, abolish this in half of the country. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, moving moving forward to just the, to the church scenario, obviously everybody has their finger on what's going on in Germany with the synodal veg yeah. and the craziness that's coming out of that. And one of the few champions of solid doctrine, Cardinal Mueller, is slamming it yet again. But this time yeah. he, he doesn't mince words. He says he uses this exact phrase <laughs> uncatholic machinations of german synodal heresy wow. he's not mincing strong words language. today yeah it's strong language it's appropriate wow well mm. you know what uh he's got nothing to lose i mean think about it he's he's been fired from the from the position of for the uh, the prefect for the congregation of the doctrine of the faith um at this point i mean uh, his exit interview he's he's not a young man his exit interview is right around the corner if i were him I would be pulling an Ezekiel 318, uh, you know, where, where Ezekiel the prophet tells us, uh, hey, if, if you see somebody out in sin, you better tell him about his sin. If you don't tell him, his blood's going to be upon your soul at your judgment. And I think Cardinal Mueller, he feels that Ezekiel 318 pressure. He's saying, you know what? I'm an old man. I've got nothing to lose. My country's going off the rails. My exit interview with Jesus Christ is right around the corner. It's time to fire missiles of truth to these to this to this wall of lies. And Joe, just a quick note: when you mentioned Cardinal uh, Mueller, I think of also another great cardinal. But it seems like they're starting to speak up. Cardinal Seurat says this in a talk last week: "The dream of the Western globalist elite is precisely to establish a new world religion for this little group, the ancient religions, and in particular the Catholic Church." must be transformed or die. I mean, for him to say that, for Mueller to say that, it's inspiring me as a layman. I don't know about you, but isn't it wonderful to have, you know, church leadership call it like it is? Oh, absolutely. Of course, it's wonderful to see the courage in the church hierarchy, especially right now. And it's nice to see a, a beacon of truth when you have so many other bishops and prelates and priests and also laity as well who yeah. are preaching things that do, as Cardinal Mueller so clearly said, yeah, that constitute heresy. Heresy. Well, Joe, Joe I want to tip my hat off to Church Milton because I, I will tell you, a lot of priests and bishops that I've talked to, 
they say that they're energized <laughs> to speak out clearly from the pulpit because of people like church militant and other apostolates out there, VMPR. They see, they see lay people clamoring for truth and wanting the truth and speaking the truth. This, this also energizes our prelates just like they energize us when we hear a Cardinal Mueller, Cardinal Seurat, Bishop Strickland, and we wake up the next morning, we say, yeah, man, we, <laughs> That's we, right. we, got some, we got some good people on the fight with us. So I, I think it just works both ways. Iron sharpens iron. They sharpen us up when they speak moral truth and moral clarity, but we also encourage them by our apostolates uh, that are out there, again, trying to file, fire missiles of truth to this wall of lies. Yeah, you know, guys, if I if I could take a moment and actually sure. plug one of our initiatives called New Catacombs. Okay. So many priests throughout the country want to uh, be involved and speak boldly from the pulpit, but they're afraid that they'll be facing repercussions should they preach truth. Look at Father James Altman, for example. Even Father Heilman, what's going on with uh, right. Archbishop Hying in Madison. Yep. yep. When you have these fears, now those two are, are unique uh, circumstances that everybody knows about, but... New Catacombs provides priests an anonymous way to come together and create statements that do pertain to church teaching. Awesome. Boldly. All they have to do is reach out to me, Joe Gallagher at churchmilton.com. We do not reveal their names to anyone. Only a handful of people, even at Church Milton, know who they are. And they collaborate and vote on statements that preach the truth in a time when you get in big, big trouble if you dare open your mouth. Great idea. I love that. And I know the priest will speak up. Thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. Hey, so tell us about uh, Third topic. the White House is having a, a problem redefining recession. What, is, what part of no don't you understand? Go ahead. Absolutely. Well, first, as we all know, the definition of a recession is two negative quarters of growth yeah. for the GDP. Yep. So that's it. Plain and simple. That's textbook. You open up the dictionary, you read it, and then you close it. Yeah. Is that what's happening? Yeah, it's what's looking like it's happening. And not only that, the second quarter was worse than the first. But when you look at Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen making these comments of, well, we're just slowing down. And this is happening throughout the world. You know, we're just trying our best to stop inflation. Janet Yellen said one thing that was the the red flag, the bingo, when watching one of her recent interviews. She said, I'm not saying we will definitely avoid a recession, (laughs) dot, 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 dot. Okay, well, there it is. At least she's just not lying through her teeth. You can try and say, well, the definition doesn't apply. You can try and pull a German bishop and say that. But at the end of the day, we know what the definition is. The proof is in the pudding, and this is where we're heading. And it's just, it's it's almost terrifying that there actually might be people out there. I mean, I'm not a professional economist, but I don't have to be one. I'm not a biologist, but I know what a woman is. And the same <laughs> thing's happening here. You, it, it's it's evidence. And oh. for them to try and act like that's not the case instead of embrace it and say, okay, we need to fix this, yeah. that's just a problem. Yeah, well said. Joe, what well, about, us about yeah, your conference with, coming up, brother? That's right. I'm going to be there for it, and I want people to be there too. So tell us more about it. Oh, the call to action convention. Yes, we're really excited to have you on, Terry. That's going to be awesome on the evangelization panel. The call to action convention is August 19th, August 20th, and August 21st. It's all day Saturday, all day Sunday, the 20th and 21st. In Detroit, right across the hall from where the election theft happened in Detroit at the TCF Center, now the Huntington Place, we will be giving Catholics the tools, the the granular nitty-ditty details of what they need to do to affect change in the culture, and in the church. So often we walk away from conferences or conventions and speeches feeling really emboldened, but then you you step out into the world and you don't know what to do next. That thing that people are missing when they leave those events, Church Militant will give them on this convention. Awesome. And how can they sign up for it, Joe? 
please go to cmresistance.com forward slash CTA. It's cmresistance.com forward slash CTA. If you click on Church Militant's homepage, you'll see a graphic on the right-hand side of the screen. It is all over our social medias, et cetera. But please, we want as many people to come because this is the time. This is how you invest in a future that won't have negative growth in GDP, that won't have more <laughs> heretical synodal ways. This is the convention to solve those issues. Joe Gallagher, wow. Thank you. <laughs> One of the things that I'm, I'm wow. so glad you guys remind us every night. Yes. You guys talk about the fact that the politics is not one in Washington. It's one, it's one at the local level. Mm-hmm. The whole principle of subsidiarity, you guys are real, real good at that. <clears throat> Trying to get Catholics, just like worker ends, like worker bees, to get involved in their, in, in their particular area, uh, state, city, council. Uh, you guys are doing a, a yeoman's job making Catholics active where they live because that's the only way we're going to change the macro is by getting involved in the micro. That's it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Overseeing our resistance program here, our activist uh, group uh, that is in every diocese throughout the country, over 7,000 people strong. The motto is restoring Christendom one soul at a time. Love it. One soul at a time. Well, Mm. Well, keep doing what you're doing, brother, and we'll look forward to having you on next week. And again, people can go. The news is at uh, what four o'clock? Is it seven o'clock your time or seven o'clock Eastern? ChurchMilton.com. That's it. So check it out. And thanks again, Joe Gallagher, for joining us here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Oh, it's a pleasure, guys. Thank you. God bless you, Jess. I don't know about you, brother, but every time I hear Joe speak and they motivate me, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know what I like about it? He's a young man. Okay, they're all a bunch of youngsters. I know that Jesse has yeah. old guys looking at him. I'm going, hey, this is this is very um, uh, uh, refreshing. Refreshing to see young minds out there. Yeah, a- absolutely, Terry. Uh, they, these guys, Church Militant is planning for an 100 year war. Yeah, there you go. And you you see that because they have an army of young people that uh, that are being trained and that are being formed in the church's teachings. God bless them. They're doing a yeoman's job. Absolutely. And I want to remind everybody, you can get any of our shows by going to vmpr.org on downloads and share them with your friends. Go to our support the show by going to catholicrc.com. Check out our our YouTube channel, Full Sheen Ahead. And Jesse, what state should we be living in, brother, to end Let's live in a state of grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. We're called to be great saints. Don't miss the opportunity. And don't forget Our Lady of Fatima. We're having our first Saturday devotion coming up. And we, she said it. She said souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. Join the team. Get your rosary out. Make the sacrifices for sinners. You can do it if you're five years old. You can do it if you're five, 105. May God richly bless you and your family. And thanks for supporting us here at vmpr.org. God love you.